welcome everyone welcome back to our podcast about uh, thesis and thesis writing this time so we have kevin and anna here who are a master's student and someone from the library who are going to talk to you about the process of coming up with what you should do for your thesis how to approach people but also how to actually start writing and what the sources are that you can use so anna tell us something about yourself and what you do exactly and how you can help our students So I work as a writing instructor uh, at the library and I work with something called academic writing support and we offer workshops and lectures both in your programs and in the library as an open series but then we also offer individualized feedback on your writing so you can make an appointment with us and this service is free of charge so make an appointment (laughs) with us (laughs) okay and then we also have kevin here kevin tell us something about yourself and what you do well i'm a student in the master's program health economics policy and management i have a background in sport and exercise science which i did for my uh, at undergraduate level Um, and i'm writing a, a thesis with the working title an examination of the integration of gender mainstreaming into European affirmative ageing strategies. I was, I was thinking of calling it No Country for Old Men or, or something or something like that, from the famous line from the Yeats poem Sailing from Byzantium, but uh, maybe just a descriptive title for now. <laughs> That's an interesting project. So, uh, Kevin, when did you start actually thinking about this and uh, finding your supervisor? What was the process you went through? I mean, I, I've been interested in the topic of aging for a, for a long time. That goes back to, to my undergraduate schooling I, in sports science. Um, I quickly realized I wasn't so interested in you know, the, the athletes and the very fit people. I was more interested in exercise for other populations that you want to think about, especially old, old, older people. And so that's kind of when I first decided I wanted to, to be interested in aging. And then... I came here and I was thinking about my project and what I wanted to do and I emailed potential supervisors and then I suppose the the other bits kind of came together over the semester preceding the this one <laughs> so since September I've kind of been able to put the the whole project together okay. a bit more Anna, you usually come into classes and talk to students about their thesis writing. Do you have anything to say about when people should start thinking about their thesis? Well, it's always good to start thinking early. Most programs don't allow you to start working on the actual thesis early. But it's always good to think about topics you're interested in, who you want your supervisor to be, things like that. Yeah. Kevin, so how did you decide to approach your current supervisor? What was your line of thinking? How did you come to this one individual? Well, I went onto the the KI website and I looked in the public health section uh, for potential supervisors. You know, their email addresses are there and their you know their interests and you know you know you have a profile of all the all the professors and lecturers. And so I started sending emails, and um, I yeah, so I sent an email to my supervisor, and he responded, and uh, we kind of came together, and um, yeah, so browsing the website looking for potential supervisors sounds like a good place to start. Yeah, I also um, several uh, people who I approached, I said, well, maybe this person has an interest in what you're doing, so like I I, I can't take you on, but maybe somebody else will, and then you I followed up on those as well. Okay, that's uh, a good place for people to actually start looking and uh, getting a bit of a feeling 
uh, what you want to do. So I think our listeners might be very interested into actually when you have your supervisor and when you have your idea, how do you actually come up with a concrete sort of project? Yeah, and I think that well, you you've come up with a project, and it seems that you've been interested in that topic for a long time. And I yes. think that's not necessarily true for all students that you yeah. know from the beginning what you want to work with. Mm-hmm. So I think it's possible that your supervisor has suggestions. And when you mentioned how you approached yeah. your supervisor, I've also heard from other students that if you really really like someone. You may ask them to be your supervisor. That may be more important that you can work well together with this person than you actually getting to choose the exact topic that you're interested in. So I guess that depends on whether or not you have decided on your topic yet. Yeah. So you may actually want to start by just thinking about who you would want to be your supervisor. What do you think about that? Have you heard anyone else have similar thoughts? Yeah, well, I'm I'm happy with my supervisor, so I mean, it. I think that's certainly something people should think about as well. I only had my supervisor for two lectures before, and he seemed quite nice, so I was quite happy uh, to have this supervisor. But yeah, you should maybe consider if you can work with this person. Then it sounds yeah. like you know some people who've had uh, bad experiences with their supervisors. I can't comment. <laughs> okay, but I think I mean it's only natural that we would work even better together with some people than yeah. we would with others. Yes. Yeah. So I think if you meet a teacher that you feel that we really get along great, yeah, and perhaps you've heard from other students that this person is very much involved in the process and you will get a lot of feedback and if you want a lot of feedback that may suit you perfectly whereas if you've uh, if you feel fairly experienced maybe you feel okay with having a supervisor who's more laid back so i think it's also about students being different and supervisors being different that is very true. Kevin, so you said you graduated from sports and exercise science before yeah. this. Did you have to write a dissertation then as well? Or I a did, thesis? Yeah. Was that process very different from what you're going through now? Well, it, it was. I think it was, it was managed a bit more. Uh, there was an email sent to us with all these projects, with all these supervisors, and most people chose a project. Almost nobody kind of did what I'm doing now and kind of made a project of their own from scratch. So it was very much kind of choose something you like rather than make something up yourself. I got work on an ongoing project, which um, I know that students here do that as well, but I, I know I feel it was uh, it was a little bit different. Um, maybe it's hard for me to articulate how exactly. Do you, do I, you feel like you have a preference for one or the other? Because you created your own project from scratch in this case, which I can imagine is a lot of back and forth with your supervisor. What is my research question? What are we actually looking at? What methodology are we using? Was that process more interesting to be involved with in contrast to coming onto a project where this was already sort of established? I think you probably feel a bit maybe safer if you're if there's a project and you're saying, I'd like to do that, I, I, maybe you feel a bit more secure in your methods. But I mean, I think it's nice to do something you're really interested in. I don't know, I guess it, it, it depends really on, uh, <laughs> it's nice to have the freedom to do, to, to do both. Okay, so tell us something about your thesis. Um, you're looking into... It's aging. Aging? Yeah, Okay. Well, and a gender and gender perspective. So um, well, it's, well, it's a well-known fact that uh, 
but especially in Europe, that the you know proportion of people in the older age wages is increasing. And there's a com- kind of a concomitant kind of rise in anxiety about like, well, is this sustainable in some way? Or um, there's a kind of an implicit bias or uh, instinct that kind of older people are, are dependents in some way and that they're supported by, by um, working age people. Some recent kind of theoretical thinking about it is that, well, actually, ageing, it, it can be quite uh, heterogeneous, the ageing process. And um, 70 is the new 50. And, you know, it's um, things that you think about ageing are not written in the stars, maybe a lot of them. And so policymakers, you know, they're, I suppose they get excited about this kind of optimistic view of ageing. So, and so they're saying, well, how can we tap into the potential of the older population um, to ensure their well-being and the sustainability of, you know, the lifestyles we have at the moment? And my interest in is whether they've considered gender and the policies that they that they that they publish to or that they create to promote this kind of aging strategy because i mean there are underlining underlying gender norms that are quite endemic in our society around who provides care or you know the family structures and they can have an effect or those norms can be kind of exacerbated by the by the policies you have i suppose to give an example if you're saying well rather than having providing a lot of uh, long-term care services in older age. Um, older people, you know, can look after each other in couples. Well, the burden of care falls much more often on, on women in that case because it's women are more likely to be taking care of their partner than, than the other way around for various reasons. Women tend to... Uh, the majority of couples, the, 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 the male is, is a little bit older. Um, and there's a kind of a... There's this cultural norm, I guess, that women are more uh, likely to, to provide care services or to provide care. I think also there are norms around work. One of the one of the things that's mentioned in the policy documents I was I was reading is there was a program called Men's Sheds, um, especially when men leave the, the the workforce. It's a nice way for them to get get out of the house to if there's a if there's a men's shed and talk to people. If you know there's if if, you, if they have this task that they can do together socially, and I thought that was quite a nice intervention. You have to consider you know the different experiences of aging for you know uh, different genders. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know your your policy might might have some effects that you didn't expect. Okay, so you're evaluating the yeah, presence the of gender in aging strategies well, in yeah, European countries? Yes, in European countries. And their policies. Okay, so how did you go about finding your sources? I think you mentioned before this podcast to me that you made use of the library for this, uh, for at least part of what you were writing. Yes, well, I, I, I approached a librarian and asked, like, I'm, I'm looking at policy literature. So it, it's, uh, so it's I grey literature, so it's unpublished. So is there a, a good way to look look it up you know so yeah that, that's the question i asked um how do i search for this particular kind of literature well i think anna is probably really uh, in her elements in that sense <laughs> is this a question a lot of students come to you with uh, how do i find sources for my literature review in my thesis or yeah they come to my librarian colleagues uh, and I should just mention that there are librarians in the library that you can actually ask. You can just uh, come there and ask uh, between 10 in the morning and 5 in the afternoon, Monday through Friday, which I think is really nice. And you can also make an appointment if you have really longer questions. But uh, there's always a librarian there to help Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) 
yeah. and I think you should make use of this service because it's not that easy finding relevant sources and librarians can help you find good strategies for finding the best sources. Yeah. So in all your years working here at the KI library, what are sort of the most common uh, pitfalls or challenges that students come to with you regarding their master's thesis? I would say a common pitfall is not planning for the unexpected, <laughs> which uh, I think because things always happen. And you, I think you should have a plan for your thesis and for the writing of your thesis, but then things always happen. And you should think about that from the beginning. Of course, you cannot know what will happen, but there will always be things that happen. So, well, it may be that you have to change your project a little bit. This is super common. It may be that you get sick for a couple of weeks. So try to have some space in your schedule to actually do things that you can't anticipate. Also, you should start writing early. I guess you're not surprised that I would say that. But since writing is a way of processing information, the earlier you start, the better your thesis will be. Not just the writing of it, but the content will be much more polished if you start early. So I think that would also be a pitfall. And uh, another fairly common pitfall would be to... Uh, not uh, learning a re reference management program from the beginning because those are very helpful. So if you could learn EndNote Online or Mendeley, for example, I think that's very good. <laughs> it's going to save you a lot of time probably. It's going to save you a lot of time and then also keep track of your sources from the very beginning because it's not fun having to go through quite a few articles looking for some information that you know you read. So keep track of your sources from the very beginning. So Kevin, have you caught yourself in any of these uh, pitfalls so far? Oh God, when you were talking about the, uh, the referencing software, EndNote, oh, the bane of my life. Um, <laughs> yeah, referencing is something I think I need to pay, I think students need to pay attention to because you know it has the potential to take a lot of time i think maybe it is yeah i would agree that it's best not to leave yourself with so much writing at the end i know the the thesis will be about 30 to 40 pages long and i think that can be quite daunting if uh if you haven't started and there isn't so much time left so absolutely i think you know writing as you go and you know managing your your time that way well, I think I just wanted to say to you that you should also allow plenty of time for revising your text. So not only writing that first draft, but if you allow for a lot of time to revise, your text will be so much better. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to add that to what you said. Okay. Um, so Kevin, you obviously walk around amongst your peers and your students. Uh, is there anything that you've seen from... Because you, you're, you're doing a literature based thesis but obviously there's people who do more practically based thesis with data sets or with interviews or um, they have to go to the lab and do some testing is there anything from a different type of thesis that you've heard that is quite a big struggle that people should be thinking about before they actually start their project I, I, I guess I, I can't really speak for anyone else I mean I do know that several people have moved, have gone abroad to do their data collection 
and I don't know how they stay motivated to to uh, work, especially if they're going someplace very exotic or sunny. I don't know, like somewhere hot. I really can't can't say, but um, yeah, okay. I, I certainly think that flying a lot. I mean, I'm glad I don't have to do that. <laughs> um, I think that would consume a lot of my time. Okay, and any personal pitfalls that you've encountered in the last, let's say, six months, I think it's been since you've probably started thinking about your thesis and finding a supervisor and writing? Um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's often a lot of small stuff. You know, I might come in in the day and I'm a little bit ambiguous about what I'm going to do. And I think it's, you know, the usual, for me anyway, I haven't had any major, major issues. But I mean, I think it's usual student problems of you know staying motivated and to work several hours every day. Yeah, that's my been my main issue. <laughs> okay, so both of you, do you have any final comments or tips or something you want to give away to the listeners before they probably go home and try to not panic about the <laughs> their thesis that will be happening at some point? I would say don't hesitate to ask for help if you're stuck. Ask your supervisor. Uh, you can also ask other students. Yeah. I would advise that you form peer review groups where you give each mm. other feedback on the projects, on the writing, because you learn so much, not just from getting feedback, but you also learn a lot from reading fellow students' texts critically and giving constructive feedback. So that's what I would say. And also, of course, I I would advise you to make good use of the library <laughs> and to attend workshops uh, on academic writing because then you also get the opportunity to work on your own texts sitting in a room with the other people in your class. I, I mean, I would say certainly start to think about your thesis as early as possible. I know people who were a bit stressed in November and December because they didn't have a, a topic or, or they didn't have something nailed down yet and I suppose you don't, you don't want to be spending those those months thinking about like what am I going to do for my thesis you kind of you want to have that you want to be approaching supervisors early um, maybe not starting you know because I think you're not allowed to start or mm. before you know the thesis module begins um, but certainly approaching supervisors and being proactive in getting a, a thesis project together. What was the first thing you said? Sorry. Um, oh, it was, sorry, it was communication with your supervisor. Ah, yes. Um, yeah, no, I would, I would 100% agree with that. I mean, I, myself, I, I hate writing emails because always, I'm always thinking about my tone. How does my tone sound in this email? So I sometimes put them off for a couple of days, but I think it's, it's just helpful to, you know, that's, you know, there to, you know, be in contact with your supervisor so there's no ambiguity about what you're doing. You know, there's a, I think there's a, a safety there <laughs> if you're, um, you know, being, uh, if you're in contact, constant communication with your supervisor. So I would 100% agree with that. That's very useful information. Thank you both for being here very much. I think we uh, have given our listeners a lot of food for thought, to say the very least. Um, I want to give the listeners a final message. So obviously we weren't able to 
like have a student from every program that's being offered at KI to tell about their thesis. So if you want to hear something about a biomedicine thesis project, the best way to go is to find a bi biomedicine student and ask them about their project. Most of the thesis that have been written over the past couple of years uh, are more or less available through your course coordinator. So if you really want to have a look at them, get in touch with these people. Don't stress, don't start too early, don't think your thesis is going to be the end of the world because it won't be. It uh, should above and all also be a project that you enjoy doing. So think about it very carefully, but don't let it drag you down and make you feel like it's the worst thing you have done in your entire living <laughs> life. So um, enjoy it. And thank you very much for listening. We will hear from you or have you on this again sometime soon.